This is the last Sunday, I think, of this series, Ways for the Last Days. And um, for those of you who haven't been around or just by way of reminder, Ways, the app Ways, it helps us get where we need to go. We may know the way, but Ways knows some things we don't know about the way. There may be traffic, and so it may divert us and save us some time. And we've talked about the fact that the Spirit-filled life, Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that lives in us, is like an internal divine GPS. And um, I really want to emphasize that again. Life in the Spirit, it, it's a, it qualifies us and enables us to live in the realm of the supernatural. And I'm not talking about all the goofy stuff, but I'm talking about being highly effective, accomplishing all that God wants us to accomplish in everything from marriage to parenting to being employees to being in ministry. Holy Spirit gives us an edge that is out of this world. And we need that in this days that we're in. Again, not last days, D-A-Y-S, but the days. Days is, it has to do with the fact that it's a season when people are bewildered. It's chaotic. It's, listen, it's disorienting. And so we need a faith that can flourish in that kind of season. How many of you are thankful? You may be, you know, weak need a little bit, but how many of you are thankful that we have a faith, that we have a kingdom we've inherited that cannot be shaken? Come on. We have a faith. We may not like it, but our faith is built for seasons like this. And so that's, that's what we're talking about. Now, I know not everybody, everybody listen, I'm going to, this is like a devotional download. This is not like, I don't know, the last few weeks I've been feeling like just a shepherd. I want to help people because I'm observing a lot. And you know, one of the things I'm observing <clears throat> that's, I've always observed it, but it's very acute right now. Most people live their life just dictated by their circumstances. Something bad happens, they're just out of it. Something good happens, they're on top of the world. And it's one of the problems with psychology is that we discover our environment that we were raised in and we go, oh, that's why you're that way. And all of us have excuses for why we're not all that. But our faith says no matter what our circumstances are, we are overcomers. We, we serve the God of the impossible. And I know that in this season, you know, we're, we're really getting beaten down. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you to have a faith that is fervent and alive between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. For we know one way or another, we are going to be victorious. The Lord's going to come back. And don't let that instill fear. You know, we're going to see him come riding. And on his vestments, it will say, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's not going to be, oh, that's, that's going to be like hope inspiring, you know. So one way or another, we're going to, we win. You know, and I'm, I'm going to talk some about this fall. We're going to look in the next eight weeks at really last day's stuff and, and eschatology, what the Bible says. 
about the end times. But I just, I really want to stretch everybody. Now, how do you, Pastor Chuck, if you go, I'm going to break out of my circumstances. I'm going to break out of what my environment says I can be. How does that happen? We take a look at the life of Jesus and we see this. Number one, thank you, Lou. Um, Jesus, it, it, it's as practical as this. In John 5, he said, I never say anything unless I hear the Father saying it. In John 12, he says, I never do anything except I see the Father at work and I join him there. Well, that's Jesus, right? Yeah, right. How did he do that? When he came up out of the baptism waters, we talked about the Holy Spirit descended upon him and he was led by the Spirit. And he was our prototype. And now he calls us to live a life that's characterized by the same things. Now, so this morning, I want to talk to you about the personal, practical, powerful Holy Spirit. Um, I don't really have a text. If I have to pick one, I'll go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And it simply says this. You, you know it tip, in, a, in the traditional verses or translations, it says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Say those three things with me. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost if you're King James or New King James. So the kingdom of God, Paul, and there's division on what this person's convictions are and what this person's convictions are. And there's division. They can eat that, but they can't eat that. Paul said the kingdom of God is not about what you eat or drink. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love here, I think it's the New Living Translation says it this way. The kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. So look here. This is very simple. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It starts, that's a big Bible word, but you've, if you've been around here, you know I define that as righteousness is to be in the right position in your relationship with God. You're in the right place. How do you get there? You receive the atoning sacrifice. You, you, you accept everything Jesus did on the cross, and that frees you to, to live covered in his righteousness. Now, when you are covered in his righteousness, there is a peace that comes. And if you don't have peace, you need to go back and go, I need a real understanding of my position in him, that he has taken care of my righteousness. And when you have righteousness, which brings peace, you have joy in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that in this hour that we can all have more joy. So, in review, Patrick mentioned it. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, teacher, we can see that God is with you. Everybody listen. God is with you. Because nobody could do what you're doing unless God is with him. And you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about that. Nicodemus, the, the sophisticated member of the Sanhedrin, the teacher that all of Israel knew, he was saying, we see God is with you. What he said, 
What he didn't say that he was saying was this. I'm recognizing now that I see God with you. God is not with us. And he goes, and you've got to see this. This sophisticated man with a title. And you know, men with titles, they come with other bondages too. There's pride that walks in and, and you, you got to treat him a certain way. And he approaches Jesus at night, one-on-one. And he says, how can I get what you have? And Jesus says in verse three, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. Everybody look here. There's a reason why a lot of people around you don't see what you see right now. They're not born again. And you can't even recognize good things or godly things, understand spiritual truth if you're not born again. And so Jesus says, to listen, to even see the kingdom, remember the kingdom of God is righteousness. To even see it, you gotta be born again. And then he says, well, how can I be born again? And Jesus in verse five answered, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Now everybody look, this is review, I know, but this is so fun, uh, fundamental in our faith. To see the kingdom, you gotta be born again. To enter the kingdom, to be able to live, this isn't about going to heaven, to be able to live the way God, God wants to govern your life, the kingdom of God, to, to enter that, you have to be born of water and the spirit saved and open to living life on the reliance of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot I could say about that. But so many people, they can, some can't even see the kingdom. Some can see it, but they're not, they've not entered into it. And so fear controls, um, doubt, the works of the flesh, and so they don't get to enjoy their place of promise, the promised land, the destiny for their life because they're not born of water and of spirit. Now everybody look, Jesus is about to give an example of, because he knows he's talking to a sophisticated guy who is like many of us. This spiritual truth can, can go right past you, Nicodemus. And so Jesus says this in verse eight, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And that, that, everybody look, you gotta see, Nicodemus has to be going. I just, I just wanna know, how can, how can I have God with me? That's, I just came here, I, that, that's TMI. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking for all that. And, but Jesus is saying, no, if you want, listen, you ask me, basically, how can I get God with me? How can I be with God? And he's saying, you've got to be born again. You've got to learn to live in the spirit. And listen, listen, listen. To live in the spirit is to be controlled. The flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus says it just before this. The spirit gives birth to the spirit. In order to live in the kingdom, you're gonna be controlled by the spirit. And the spirit is going to sometimes be like, as Patrick said, God, listen, God's activity in your life often is going to be, wait, what? Where, 
Because, listen, you're going, my circumstances, my environment, I'm a product of how I was raised. This is condition, this is my identity. And God's saying, no. We got to break you out of that, Nicodemus, Chuck Ramsey. When the Spirit, the Spirit is going to move in your life and you're not even going to understand it all the time, but you're going to see its impact. Are y'all tracking with me? Now, where are we going? Wait, what? The wind, where'd that come from? What does that mean? Wait, what? What does that mean? And we have a lot of wait, what going on in our life right now? And you've come here this morning for your pastor to tell you what it means. Come back next week. I'm going to work a little more and I'll, I'll be able to tell you. No, I can't tell you, which brings me to a major thing that I, I want to share with you. Um, I want everybody here to break out of cultural Christianity and the trappings of cultural Christianity, which is what? In our country, a lot of it is it's shallowness and it's we live vicariously through other people. Most Christians never hear the voice of God. Most Christians never read the Bible, let alone study the Bible. The Bible never says to read the Bible. The Bible says to study the Bible and show yourself approved. So most people are not getting their own manna. They're getting it from someone else. And listen, one of the things God is making us all do right now is have our own personal first-hand faith. I'm seeing this. And there are people going, I, I can't, I gotta get there on Sunday. I need Pastor Chuck to tell me what God's saying in my life. And we live vicariously. And we don't have the, 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 the joys and the privilege and the power of having a one-on-one -on -one connection with God. And I want everybody in this room, listen, not you and your wife, but you, sir, you, each of you, the sooner you can learn to have a personal, one-on-one, -on -one, real, first-hand faith, the sooner your life is going to begin to make sense and you're going to, have, you're going to accomplish your destiny easier than a lot of us. Can I get a witness? Come on, can I get a witness? I mean, it, listen, God doesn't have any grandchildren. None. He has sons and daughters. Amen. All right. Again, I'm going somewhere that's pretty simple, but you got to get all this. So, Pastor Chuck, the personal, practical, powerful Holy Spirit. Um, from John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, these are the seven bullet points I'll always give straight from the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus says to the disciples, I'm getting ready to leave. And so he starts talking to them about life after he leaves and ascends and goes back to the father. So what's he talking about? Life with the Holy Spirit. And he says these seven things. Um, John 14, one, he says, first, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving to prepare a place for you. How many of you are glad he is gone to prepare a place for us? And he said he will come again. Come on, amen? 
So the first thing he says, I'm getting ready to leave, but don't be fearful about that. The second thing he says in chapter 16, verse 7, it is for your good that I'm going away. I don't like the word of the Lord sometimes. I don't see how, if I'm one of the disciples, that it can be good for you to leave me. And Jesus says, it's good because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. The third thing he says is in verse 18 of chapter 14. He says, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The next thing, the fourth thing, verse 17, he says, right now I'm with you, but he is going to be in you. Everybody say it with me. With is not as good as in. In is better than with. His, Jesus' name was Emmanuel, God with us. But how do you say God in us, Holy Spirit? The fifth thing is this, verse 12. Jesus says, now in that arrangement, you're going to do greater things than what I've done. And I know I'm saying this, and you want to yawn when I say that. These seven points. Because many of us, we don't, we don't, we don't, Believe what he says. These are outlandish promises. It's better that I go away. He, I'm with you. He's going to be in you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to prepare. I'm coming back. And while I'm gone, you're going to be able to do greater things than what I've done. Greater in quantity, not quality. You can't get better than what he did, but greater in there was one of him and now there's 300 in this room greater when the Holy Spirit comes verse 26 number six he says the advocate Holy Spirit will teach you all things and here he will remind you of everything I've said to you and I've told you many times if that's all the Holy Spirit did that would be a lot of help he just reminds us what Jesus has said in his word and then lastly verse 12 he says there's a lot of things I'd like to say to you everybody listen more than you can even bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Everybody listen. I'm telling you some of the stuff this morning that Jesus wanted to tell the disciples, but they weren't prepared. They didn't have the capacity to receive it. And so now the Holy Spirit has come and we get to receive all of that truth. How many of you know that's a good thing? Come on, how many of you? Um, we're, we're now wired to get the whole deal, the whole enchilada. We get all the truth. There are no hidden secrets. Amen? Now, so those are the seven things. And that, that's quite a position that we have now. And so right before Jesus ascends to go and be with the Father, right before he does it, the last thing he does in Acts chapter one, in verse four, says, while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise or the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse five, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now look right here. What verse 8 says, now we're drilling down. I've got just three things I want to say to you. So Jesus says this, you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Say power powerfully. Say power. 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 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Everybody look right here. Um, Holy Spirit is the great uniner. 
Satan is always dividing people. Wherever people are being separated, Satan is at work. Wherever people are coming together, Holy Spirit is at work. We read this Judea, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But everybody look right here. We think racial tension is something new in this era. Or like we're the only nation that struggles with it. Racial tension is not new. And when the disciples heard this, you know, wait. They all thought, okay, good. I'm going to be the... I'm going to be a witness in Jerusalem. Peter, you're going to Judea. No, wait, Peter. You're going to Samaria where it's a mixed race, Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews at that day, they shunned the Samaritans. And Jesus is saying, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses in places where you despise the people. In fact, you're going to go to the ends of the earth, and there's no way those, that group of Galileans could even grasp what Holy Spirit was going to do through them. Why do I bring this up? Because Holy Spirit is still wanting and needing to do that through the church. Um, critical race theory, any race theory, the wrong answer to the right question is still a bad prescription. I don't even know enough about critical race theory I, to, to even talk about it. But here's what I do know. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I don't want to go here. Biblical race theory is this. All of the racial issues are solved at the foot of the cross. And, and that's the only place they are really, really solved. Now, don't as white people, that doesn't let us off the hook. Because let me just say something. I want to visit this. Because um, is there racism alive in this country? I believe, and I, you don't have to clap. Don't say yes or no. I just, I'm going to say what I feel like the Lord would have us to, to say. Have me say. Because I think it's what he wants to say. Is there racism in this country? Yes. There is. Is there systemic racism? I believe there is. I believe it comes from a lot of places that we don't even recognize or realize. Systemic race. When, when we are giving Planned Parenthood hundreds of millions of dollars and they're strategically, their orientation, their origin was to be planted in certain places. And we are... We are eliminating generations of certain races. There is systemic racism. What do we do about it? We preach the gospel of Jesus. That's what we do. We, we get our lives filled with Holy Spirit power to where we go. Where we don't go, I, I don't see color. Yeah, we do. We see color. But what we see is the beauty in the color that God created all of us. And while we're sitting, I know I don't have authority to talk about this. This isn't like my life's um, mission or my um, calling. And so I'm not going to stay in this lane long. But it, it breaks my heart to see what the enemy is doing to our nation. It breaks my heart how it's dividing churches 
Most of my friends that have multicultural churches are like half full now post-pandemic, post-2020 election. And that break, it should break all of our hearts. And, and I know that the prejudice that we go, well, they shouldn't, they should look and they shouldn't have done. No, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to take a bunch of Galileans and send them around the globe into the jungles of Venezuela, South Africa, third world countries. And how many of you are thankful that 2,000 years later, this cause is not weakened or barely hanging on. The Holy Spirit was poured out and they started getting saved by the thousands. And as I understand today, still through mission efforts around the world, thousands of people are being saved in the uttermost parts. Come on. So how does this happen? It's personal practical and powerful. There's three places in the, in the book of Acts that I want to highlight. I'm just going to talk to them, talk, just say a few things about them and you can look there later, but everybody look right here. You know, so what, what's the plan? How does, how do we go from Acts chapter one to, wow, the world's evangelized. Holy spirit begins to direct the disciples, the apostles, I should say, in the, in the early days of the church. And some of it's, it's almost comical, it's, but it's personal, practical, and powerful. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is forbidden by the Holy Spirit to minister in Asia. Look in verse six right here on the screen. And they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Everybody look right here. Um, we're seeing Paul's got a, a missionary journey scheduled. And the Holy Spirit forbids him to keep his plan. Have you ever had a plan that you thought was a good plan, a godly plan? And it falls through. It doesn't work out. And most of us get frustrated, right? And we question, why did that happen? That was a good plan. Or we force that plan and we realize, oh, I should have listened the first time. Anybody ever been there? Paul, just Holy Spirit forbids him to go to a certain place. And so he doesn't go. In, his, in the latter part of the second missionary journey in Acts chapter 18, he does go and he spends three years in one city. But right here, he's forbidden. Then the next verse says, the spirit of Jesus would not let him go. Okay, in this chapter, so his plans get derailed. He goes to Troas. In this same chapter, he winds up in Philippi. And a, a woman who's like a palm reader, tarot card reader, a slave, she's owned and her wicked um, ministry of palm reading and the witchcraft, the occult, she gets delivered from that. 
And then her owners get mad and they do a cultural coup and they get Paul and Silas thrown in jail for it. Now, how many of you, if you're Paul, you're going, wait, I, I, you should have just let me go to Asia. You, you forbid me to go there and I, I've come here and I, good stuff is happening and now here we are in prison. What do you do when your plan gets derailed and God leads you into a place where you're being faithful and then it goes from bad to worse and you're in prison? I'm asking somebody because these things are happening and we're going to see more of this. What do you do? The Bible says that Paul and Silas at the midnight hour began to sing praises to God. They were forbidden. Sing praises to God. Now, you, you may go, yeah, keep preaching, Pastor. I like where this is going because I know what happened. I'm not even going to talk about what happened because that's not relevant to the point. The Holy Spirit stopped them. They wound up in prison and they lifted up praises. How many of you know what happened? Do you, what happened? An earthquake came, opened up the prison cell, got them out with royal um, treatment, and the jailer thinks about committing suicide, and Paul says, no, don't do that. We're coming to your house today. You and your entire household are going to become converts. How many of you like those apples? But Holy Spirit forbid, Acts chapter 16, find themselves in a situation and they worship. Second thing is in Acts chapter 8, second picture I want you to look down, look at. And this is Philip. And again, we hear Holy Spirit forbid Paul. And in, in these next two, we're going to hear Holy Spirit said to Philip. In verse 1 and verse 4, look here, I'm just, everybody right here. The, the scenario is this. Stephen has just been martyred. And the Bible says Saul, who becomes Paul, is there giving approval and he's breathing out murderous threats and he's ravaging Christians, churches, the Christian way. And so through that, there is persecution and the apostles get scattered. And look where we find Philip in Samaria, in that place with those people that are looked down upon. And in verse 20, it says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Everybody look right here. So Philip is in Samaria and lots of people are being, again, we see a person delivered from demonic bondage. Um, we see another type of occultist come to Christ. God is moving. The whole city is listening to what Philip says and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go down to the desert. And if you're like me and I'm like Philip, I'd be like, hey, God, we, we gotta, we've got we got momentum going here. 
There's a revival breaking out, and our, our church is growing. And so I don't want to leave a great thing. Many of us, it's not easy to leave a great thing. And, and many of us would go, ah, that's, ah, nah, and never even pray about it. And here we see Philip, look, go, I, I got a city happening here. And God says, I want you to go down to the desert. And then the Spirit says, I want you to minister to that Ethiopian eunuch who works for the queen of Ethiopia. Look, and, and he's reading Isaiah 53, and the Spirit says, go over there and talk to him and explain to him. Here's what happens. God takes Philip from a revival in a city and brings the gospel to a continent. The Coptic church. I, you know, if Peter, or if Philip hadn't done it then, somebody else may have done it, probably would have, but that's not the point. The point is, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, leave this great place. I'm taking you to a greater place that doesn't look like a greater place. It looks like a desert. It smells like a desert. It's spelled exactly like a de desert. One more S and it would be dessert. But it's not. It's a desert. And Philip does it. In revival, the gospel comes to a whole continent. All right, the last one, and then I'm done right here. Y'all ready? Everybody look over and just ask somebody, are you ready for this? Sue, since no one's sitting there with you and you're sitting there all alone on that front row, are you ready for this, Sue? Yes, you are. Um, this is a great story. In Acts chapter 10, um, This is the story of Peter. Verse 9, about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Everybody, I want, I want to just try and simplify this as much as I can. Peter is hungry. The Bible says he's very hungry and he wants something to eat. And the food's not ready. And so Peter says, hey, since the food's not ready, I, I've got to make, take advantage of this free time that I have. And the Bible says he goes up on a roof and is like doing daily devotions. And then the Bible says he, I, I don't, I hate this word because as it translates to English for us, we don't, it, 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 it sounds spooky. It says he was in a trance. And if you look at it in the Greek and you break it down, it means trance. But I don't like that because we go, he was probably, you know, just doing something spiritually weird. And um, he wasn't. He was having, listen, really what was a transcendent moment. Have you ever had a transcendent moment in your devotions? We got me and Enoch back here. Anybody else? This, this is our problem. We don't have moments like this. And I know many of you have, but you just, you thought I was just moving along. But you have moments that are transcendent. And Peter was having one of those moments. And this is a Jewish boy who's never eaten barbecue or pork 
or unclean animals, shrimp and, and different things. And he's in a trance having his time with the Lord. He's hungry and God gives him a vision of a pig. And he goes, God, that's a pig. And God says, rise, kill, and eat. And he goes, we know he knows it's God because he goes, Lord, I can't do that. Isn't this awesome? How personal, practical, powerful. And he goes, no, uh, I, I can't, I've never eaten anything like that. This is a trance. You know, you can imagine Peter going in his devotions, and he's just having a time with the Lord. And he sees pig, and he goes, hey, I've had Jewish friends my whole life tell me how good pork is. I've smelled them barbecuing before. And I think I just heard you say I could have some. And he goes, no, Lord, I can't. And this is an amazing vi vision of what's about to happen. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and leads him. Now, I got to hurry. So Peter's having this vision. Cornelius, this Gentile who's God-fearing, has a vision and a dream too that he's supposed to go to a certain house because there's a man that is to be invited back to share with him. And he gets the guy's name. It's Peter. Exactly where he's supposed to go. So Cornelius sends two of his hired hands and one of his soldiers, and they go. And Peter, the Holy Spirit tells him that there's three men waiting for you now. Just saw a pig. Just heard I could have some. I'm very hungry, and now Holy Spirit leads. There's three guys waiting for me. And they go down. And the Holy Spirit's orchestrated it from here. He's spoken to, to Peter. And what we don't realize is how massive this is from a racial, spiritual standpoint. And Peter comes down and he says, tell, go tell those three guys waiting outside that they're looking for me. And they come in and they go, hey, Cornelius said that you're to come. And Peter's, okay, I'll come. He goes and shares back at Cornelius' house. And what we see is, while Peter was still thinking about the vision in verse 19, it says, the Spirit said to him, the Spirit said to him, brothers and sisters, why am I going over such a kind of laborious teaching on the Holy Spirit. Because of this, tension creates innovation. And we are facing right now a tension like most of us have never experienced in our life. Tension from everything. Our health, vaccine, job, taking it, 
What are the dangers? Not taking it. Am I going to lose my job? Do I take it and keep my job and then worry about my health? Do I not take it, lose my job? What about the economy? Is there really an evil worldwide conspiracy going on right now? There's a lot of tension. And we can't deny it. But in these moments throughout history, the history of Christianity, in those moments that are filled with tension, God uses them to draw us in to where he can speak to us. I've met with several of you this week going, will you help? Will you sign my exemption request? Will you give me advice, Pastor Chuck, on what to do? And here's what my advice to all of us is. In these moments filled with tension, oh man, I've, I sense the Holy Spirit. And I sense, I sense the, the significance of this season that we're in. And y'all know I don't deny it and I don't sensationalize it. But here is why I said earlier, every one of us needs a personal one-on-one relationship with the Lord because I believe Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak to some of you and it's going to be some, wait, what? Where did that come from and what does that mean? Like going to minister to the Samaritans. Only you could do that through me, God, and thank God he can and he did. Holy Spirit speaks and we take the gospel from a great place to a a great city to a continent. And in this tension that we're all feeling, as we press in, I believe there's going to be potentially new businesses that are going to spring up. I believe some of you are going to get ideas, things like you've never had before, concepts, kingdom secrets. You're going to get divine direction from the Holy Spirit ways as he tells you when to say, what to say, how to say it. And in this season, may the church church of God, the the Christians, the spirit-filled men and women of God who who have said, The circumstances are not going to dictate my behavior, my fear, or my faith. The internal divine third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit in me will lead me, protect me, guide me, give me innovation, engineering, creative ideas, favor, and blessing. And I'm not going to sit and wait and worry and be crippled by anxiety or fear. This is the greatest hour of the church of our last 40 or 50 years. Our faith was made for this. When we sing, you're the God of the impossible. Let us sing it like we're standing over the empty tomb in the garden where our Savior was crucified, laid lifeless, 
and was resurrected. And Paul said the same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you and is alive in me. Oh, I I sense his glory. Oh, I sense his presence in here. I I say to you, brother, to you, sister, don't let that stress turn inward in your marriage. Be like Paul and Silas. Yeah, I wish we were in Asia. We wouldn't be here. It's jail. But while we're here, Paul turned to number 177. Some glad morning when this life is old. I don't know what he's saying, but... They sang. Are y'all tracking with me? Now I want to send you off on a happy note. That's the happy note. Be encouraged. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on, stand to your feet. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Matt, Holly, Jehoshaphat said, when the vast army was coming against him, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When we don't know what to do, we know where to look. And that's all we need to know at that time. How many of you will say, Pastor Chuck... I want the Holy Spirit to consume me. I want the fire of the Spirit to be poured out in my life. I want the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom, faith, healing, miracles. I want to be used by the Spirit. Come on, lift your hands in the name of Jesus. And I I would, listen, there's somebody here this morning. The Lord has told you what you are to do. And your delayed obedience is about to turn to disobedience. The Lord would say, there's somebody here. I've told you what to do, but you haven't done it. You won't hear my voice again until you do what I've told you to do. And then I will begin to speak again. And you will hear me. And you will be comforted by my voice. You will be led. You will be encouraged by my voice. For my rhema word comes to you today. Choose obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. We worship you, Lord. Would you just, if you're comfortable with this, I'm, I'm going to dismiss you in just a minute. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Sometimes... The weight of what's happening in the world is not what bothers me. The weight of what the people of God are feeling is what bothers me. We're overcomers. We are overcomers. We will live and not die. How many of you are here today going, COVID came, but it didn't take me out? Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the dishonesty, manipulation. The Bible says Satan holds the whole world under his sway, but not us. Amen. If 
Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Having done all, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, belt of truth, shoes of peace, praying in the spirit on all occasions. Having done all, stand, stand in the name of Jesus. How many of you are still standing and you're going to keep on standing in faith? Come on. Come on. Let faith arise in here. Come on. Encourage one another in the Lord. We praise you, Father. We you praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Glory to your name, Jesus. Would you put your hand, if you're comfortable, someone next to you, just put your hand on their shoulder and just speak blessing over them. Speak life. Speak faith. Peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit regardless of circumstances. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. I sense just prophetic life in here. Prophetic activity in here in the name of Jesus. The Lord would say to you, sir, if you'll obey at that point I've called you to, there will be deliverance come to your house. There will be deliverance come to your house if you obey at that point I've called you to obey. Step out of the boat. Leave the great and go to the greater. Hear my spirit speak to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Be encouraged. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you like he blessed Patrick. He's not a respecter of persons. It's for you and your household. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance and give you peace. Come on, say, I receive it. In Jesus' name, bless you. Have a good afternoon.